Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got a lot to still get to. Um, I do have a great story from the New York Post about Eric Adams. But I, I just wanted to re- uh, or play you one more thing here regarding this Trump case where there's no victims. And someone who's been very outspoken about it is Kevin O'Leary. And uh, a lot of people know him as Mr. Wonderful. I'm not a Shark Tank viewer not a huge shark tank fan but i know that people do love the show um and this show is all about investing in companies and businesses and he recently went on he was on fox you know all morning but then he went on cnn and this is a really interesting cut because he's trying to explain to the host the ripple effect this is going to have and also how this is nothing new, like the way that these media outlets are writing about Trump as if he was some sort of criminal mastermind by overvaluing his uh, his net worth or his real estate is just ridiculous. Can I have this cut, Emma? Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good. And they say, no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to. But the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? How about we go well, somewhere I, I else? Think, how, I think how there about are people to, who would, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I want to converse well, with you, you instead. you just did. I, it's, it's only because I want <laughs> to have a conversation, you know you know Kevin, as opposed you, to just you, having you tell you me. I respect you because you're a lawyer. You're a lawyer. You understand well, exactly what I'm talking about. 
I got to tell you, I'm, I'm respectable for a number of reasons, Kevin O'Leary, but being a, a lawyer is one of those issues. But I'll tell you, when I, when I hear your conversation, and I do want to converse with you about this point, no, no, hold on, hold on, pause her there. I don't think she does. I don't think she does. I don't think CNN likes anyone. I'm surprised they didn't lose his feed halfway through that that explanation. Sorry, um, there seems to be some sort of technical difficulty. We're losing you, Kevin. And it just goes to black. I'm impressed that they kept it on the whole time. And they, the screen just didn't go completely to black on that one because that is usually when they would just cut him off. But they kept him going. Uh, 844-500-42. 42. Let's get into this Mayor Adams story. Inside Mayor Adams' migrant debit card boondoggle, no bid bank gets $50 million. So Eric Adams is dealing with a host of issues. Ever since he became a vocal opponent of illegal immigration, and really, though, not even illegal immigration, just New York City having to deal with illegal immigration. He has suddenly become the focus of investigations and the Biden administration. And it's just been it's it's been a a change up for Eric Adams, who before that he was very close with Joe Biden. I remember reading about how they were sitting in a car together sharing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. At one point, these two were very close friends. Things have changed. And. I heard about this debit card program. Some people are calling it a boondoggle. And the reason I heard about it was because the rapper 50 Cent commented that he thought this was ridiculous. And then Eric Adams reached out to 50 Cent and 50 Cent said, like, okay, now I'm going to talk to Kathy Hochul about it or something along those lines. And then after that, I didn't hear much about it. Well, it turns out that this debit card program, now I'm going to read from the New York Post, If you read the actual contract, has the potential to become an open-ended, multi-billion dollar Bermuda Triangle of disappearing, untraceable cash used for any purpose. That sounds like the PPP programs. That sounds like COVID. The Bermuda Triangle of disappearing cash used for any purpose. It will give migrants up to $10,000 each in taxpayer money with no ID check. Well, you can't check IDs. That's racist. No restrictions and no fraud control. When the Post exposed the mayor's debit card program earlier this month, the mayor's office spun it as a money-saving program to solve a problem. Migrants staying in hotels don't eat all their food. So this is uh, DocGo, the city's no-bid emergency contractor. So if you are, and we're we're dealing with this now in Boston, if you say you have an emergency, then you don't have to put things up for a bid. So different companies, you know, can have the potential to get a contract. You can just say, well, it's an emergency, so we, we didn't do any bid here. So DocGo is the company that provides migrants with three meals a day. And according to this, they throw away uh, up to 5,000 meals daily wasting $7.2 million a year. Now, rather than try to get this company to stop giving them inedible food or to start providing meals for people with different needs, whether it's like vegan, non-gluten, whatever the needs are, rather than try to fix that, the solution from Adams is to bring in this other company called... Mobility Capital Finance. 
So I'm going to read this to you. It says, New York City is home to hundreds of top-tier financial services and public benefits providers. A dream of a competitive bidding pool to ensure that the city gets a good price as well as strong protections against fraud and abuse. But only one has been considered, and that would be the Newark-based Mobility Capital Finance, which also has an office in Harlem. Mo Cafe was founded by the former managing director at J.P. Morgan Chase, and he was also um, very vocal about the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson. The company's broader nationwide experience is as a platform for prepaid third-party debit cards and bank accounts marketed to minorities. So where did City Hall find Mo Cafe? The only clue is from a stray off-the-cuff comment Adams made at a reception earlier this month calling the company. uh, He said that we met on the campaign trail. Little did we know that God is going to say there's going to be a crisis. You're going to have to meet them and it's going to cost us money to put investment in our community. So they wanted to use this this program or this company before when they were mulling around the idea of a universal basic income project that was for lower income New Yorkers, not for migrants at the time. Since doing its migrant deal with MoCafi, Adams has been content to allow a public misperception that this program is small and focused with 500 migrant families at the Roosevelt Hotel. No, that would be false. $1,000 a month for 500 families for a year would cost $6 million. This project is upwards of $50 million. So the math isn't mathing here. Something's not making sense. But here's the craziest part. That number, $53 million, that's the number that this company is going to receive for being the company to give out these prepaid debit cards. And that's the fee for the services. It does not include the money that the migrants are actually receiving. In other words, this is the New York Post, for a maximum of $53 million, MoCafi issues blank MasterCards in bulk. That's it. That's the service they provide. And for the service provided, this company not only makes money from each card distributed, but gets a 3% fee on the first $50 million the city puts on the cards. That's $1.5 million dollars. That fee drops, but only slightly after that first $50 million. So that's just, you know, the perks of doing business in New York City with Eric Adams. 844-500-4242. The story goes on and on. It gets, you know, a little bit more in the weeds. But $53 million for providing blank cards. That doesn't even count the money that's going to be put on the cards. It's mind-blowing. The amount of money... That is being spent slash wasted on this very avoidable issue or, or crisis that is affecting not just cities around the country, but everywhere, towns, communities, everywhere around this country. Recently, a Grace Curley Show listener, Candace, called into the show to tell us how much she loved her thunderstorms. Her furnace was serviced, and afterwards, the smell of oil was lingering in her home. She turned on the thunderstorms, and she watched the magic happen. The thunderstorms eliminated the funky odor, and the best part, Candace's husband, 
who wasn't necessarily a believer in the power of the thunderstorms, he had to admit that Candace was onto something and that they did exactly what they had promised to do. They eliminated the funky odors. Whether you're talking about pet smells, tobacco smells, musty basement smells, the thunderstorm can handle it all. It purifies the air. It doesn't try to cover up smell with like a flowery, perfumey smell. It gets rid of any odors. So you want the thunderstorm and you want the three-pack special. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Check out the three-pack special. It's the perfect size. It doesn't take up any floor space. And it comes in handy. Just ask Candace. With the three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, office, or even your car. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE, and the number three. When we come back, we're going to play more sound for you. We're going to take your calls. It's 844-500-4242. Don't go anywhere. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Perfect Smiles. Don't be fooled by imposters with similar names. If you're unhappy with your smile, you need to visit Dr. Bruce Houghton in Nashua. Call 1-844-A-PERFECT-SMILE or visit perfectsmiles.com. Emma Foley's on the board. Emma, what is going on? What is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question is, would you donate to Trump's legal defense? Yes or no? Yes, I would. I wish it was on Give, Send, Go um, instead of GoFundMe. Uh, One of the callers brought up the trucker movement and how um, at one point the the funds raised there were frozen. That doesn't uh, give me a lot of confidence in that organization. But yes, as far as, you know, on principle, would I donate to Trump's legal fund right now? Yes, I would. I think this is outrageous. I think Kevin O'Leary has done a really good job explaining how dangerous this is. And he's right. You can tell that Governor Kathy Hochul and other people are aware of how dangerous this is by the fact that they're trying to get ahead of it. And they're trying to convince people like, oh, no, it's not going to happen to you. It's different when we do it to Trump. There's no way that this could eventually affect your life. Um, So, yes, I would. And plus, like I said, nothing would tick off the nutty liberals that you know more than posting about the fact that you just donated to Donald Trump's legal fund. If you want to see people's heads just if you want to see steam coming out of people's ears, that would be the way to do it. So, yeah, I'm on board. Sixty four percent of the audience agrees with you. Thirty six percent say they would pass. Now, I brought this up at the beginning of the show, but it really is uh, something to watch here. It feels like 2016 to me all over again. We're having this now obsession with Donald Trump and his supposed like relationship with Putin. And of all the people to talk about this, the woman who lied and lied and hired people to lie about this relationship, Hillary Clinton decides to go back to this. This is one of her favorite bogus narratives. Can I have cut 12, please, Emma? And why is Donald Trump so enamored of Putin? 
Well, part of it is he's a wannabe dictator. He has told us that repeatedly. He even said the other day, let's uh, basically get out of NATO and, you know, encourage Putin to do what he wants to do. How absurd a statement that is cannot can I, even can I pause be it there Could, because that's not the statement. I'm not saying it was the the most artfully constructed statement or that I would have necessarily given him the green light on that statement, but that's not what he said. He said NATO should be paying the dues, everyone should be paying their fair share, then their fair share, as Joe Biden said. And he did say at the end, if you don't pay, I'll encourage Russia, they can do what they want, or I'll encourage, you know, it wasn't the, the end of it. He was, in the beginning of it, I was all for what he was saying at the end of it. I think he got a little ahead of his skis, needless to say. It wasn't a great statement. But what she is framing it as is, first of all, incorrect. But second of all, if Donald Trump is a wannabe dictator, he's really bad at it. Think about it. Think about the price this man is paying, not just the actual price if he has to post this money, but... Think about how his family, all the investigations, everything this man's been through, all of the things that have been written about him, all of the fake news stories that have gone around the world, and he hasn't put one journalist in jail? What kind of dictator is this? He sucks. He's not a good dictator. He was president for four years. He didn't jail any of these people that write terrible things about him and that hate him so much. He didn't even jail you, Hillary, and you've committed crimes. He didn't put you in the clink. So, yeah, wannabe is the key part of that sentence. Wannabe dictator and not very good at it. And I don't disagree with him about everyone having to pay what they owe as far as NATO goes and how we shouldn't be picking up the bill for everyone, footing the bill for all these countries. I don't think most people would disagree with that statement. And now we're supposed to believe, and, and again, like, yeah, you can nitpick and you can say he shouldn't have said this or this and that. That's a dangerous thing. Fine. I'm not going to stand here and defend, you know, the, the second half of that statement. But what did his actions for four years show us in regards to Russia? Russia didn't invade Ukraine when Donald Trump was president. Would you rather take somebody at their actions or at their words and at their actions or at their off-the-cuff remarks at a rally. I'd rather go with the four years of action we had in which no wars were breaking out and Russia did not invade Ukraine. And yet you get this guy, Joe Biden, who talks real tough about Russia. He never says anything like that. Like that comment Hillary Clinton brought up about that horrible thing Trump said, how he's enamored with Putin and how and all these things she's saying bad about Trump. You got Joe Biden, right? You've got Dark Brandon. He's the opposite. He talks real tough about Putin. He looked him in the eyes and he told him, you're a murderer. You're a killer. I looked you right in the eyes. What did that get us? The minor incursion remark. What did that get us? It got us a war that now we've poured, what, a hundred, is it a hundred billion dollars into? Something along those lines. And now everybody's mad that it's not a hundred and seventy billion dollars. But really, like, I am at the point now where as much as I'm not going to come out here and try to explain away anything Donald Trump says, because he says things sometimes and he's got to explain it for himself. It's not my job. But I will redirect people and say, look at what he actually did. Like, don't pay so much attention to the headlines that come after a rally. Pay attention to what he actually did when he was president. And the results of that. 
And if you want to just look at this exact situation with Russia and Ukraine, the results of Trump for four years was a lot more stable than it is right now. And then you've got Joe Biden who talks real tough and he hates Putin and he's, you know, slamming Putin is bad. I looked. What do you get? What good does it do you? Like, would you rather have someone who talks a big game and slams Russia and slams all this stuff? And, you know, oh, and remember we had um, we weren't showing the tennis players. We weren't showing the Russian flag when the tennis players were playing because that all means so much. Right. Well, I would take Trump and all the things he says and have no wars breaking out than whatever we've got now. That's just me. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We have people on the lines who want to talk about all different things, but uh, some people want to talk about Trump and the GoFundMe, which, Emma, do we have an update on how much money the GoFundMe has raised? Because it's changing by the minute here. We are up to $690,000. Wow. And here's the other part, too, is like we were talking about how if every person who likes Donald Trump gave a dollar, he'd have $74 million or $75 million. But some people are not ever going to donate. And then some people, Emma, are going to give fifty grand. Like, you have no idea what's going to be in there. So this could be a lot of money. Someone has given $10,000. Wow. Yes. Wow. And to think that money could be put on a debit card for an illegal alien in New York City. Wow, what a waste. What a waste. Frank, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Frank. I never, ever donate to political parties. But I, as soon as I get home, I'm throwing 50 bucks at that Go me, GoFundMe. This is like, this, this whole case is nothing but BS, right? We all know that. This is a contractual relationship between him and... And a bank, the government should have absolutely no jurisdiction on it at all. And I can't understand why they're allowing this. But once this is over and the whole thing gets turned around, we have to go after the judge and the AG personally and make an example of them. Because clearly they are breaking the Constitution. But, but, but they're, even when it gets overturned, they're going to walk away and say, hey, we did our job, right? We were just, we were just here to slow things down get people pissed off, right, and, and, and convince some people that Trump was a bad guy. And they'll, and they'll get nothing. They won't even get a slap on the wrist. But they have to be brought to justice. Yeah, and if you're talking about, and this is what, you know, based off what you're saying here, you know, should they lose their job? Should they lose their powerful positions? If that's what you mean, then yes, I, I would agree. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're right that they're going to be, if anything, they're going to get promoted. Like, this is going to be, Letitia James is going to run for president. This judge may, might be nominated for the Supreme Court at some point. This is what happens. If you go after Trump, you are turned into a superstar, especially if it works. As long as you don't pull a Fannie Willis in kind of uh, ruin things for yourself, then the sky is the limit. But one thing I will add in here to to Frank's point about this is that I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people who don't typically donate to political causes feel like this is different. And the other part of it, too, is that it's not just and I was glad Kevin O'Leary pointed this out. It's not just that there were no victims in this case, which is unprecedented. There's no like historical precedent for that to to 
throw this level of damages at somebody for having a victimless crime. But it's not only that there were no victims, the people that were supposedly the victims, like the only people you could go to as the victims in this case were saying, no, 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 we made a lot of money. We liked working with him. We wanted to work with him again because we made so much money from this. It was such a good deal for us. So it really does start to fall apart at the seams. As far as going after them personally, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm just going on the record saying that. But should like Letitia James be the attorney general? Absolutely not. She ran on getting Donald Trump. She ran on using this position, using the justice system to attack somebody because she disagrees with their politics. That right there should have been a reason why she didn't get the position. Um, unfortunately, she did. The judge is obviously letting his own biases affect his judgment. Which, again, perfectly good reason for him to move on to other things, find another job. If you can't be, if you can't leave your politics out of it and you're going to allow it to affect your judgment, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. 844-500-4242. I wanted to play one more thing here. This is Joe Scarborough, okay, on MSNBC. And he is, he's obsessed with Ukraine. He's obsessed with uh, sending money to Ukraine. Now, I don't think a lot of these people cared much about Ukraine, but now they see they see sending money to Ukraine. This is how weird things have become. They see sending money to Ukraine because they know that the MAGA base is questioning it. They know the MAGA base is saying, well, why don't we secure our border here? Like, is there any desire to secure the border here? And because they know that, They've become obsessed with sending as much money as possible. Do you notice that? It's like they'll, they'll look at a situation. They'll go, what is Trump saying? What, what does Trump's base think about it? We're going to do the exact opposite. And it's because it is the morally virtuous thing to do. Like if Trump is questioning sending all this money to Ukraine while our border is wide open and people are coming in here beating up people on the train, there's brawls breaking out at Randall's Island, um, illegal aliens are getting $10,000 on debit cards, there's all sorts of chaos here, people are, uh, illegal aliens are going through the woods in Vermont, there's, everywhere you look there's a new issue. If Trump is questioning sending money to Ukraine, if Mike Johnson's questioning sending money to Ukraine, if Trump's base is questioning it, then we have to go so hard in the direction of sending every last penny we have to Ukraine because it's not about being pro-Ukraine. For them, it's like another way of showing they're anti-Trump, just like the mask people wore during COVID. That was a symbol, you know? I'm anti-Trump. I hate Donald Trump. I hate the MAGA people. This is the new symbol. This is the new way to show I'm against the Republican base. I want to leave our border open and I want to send all the money that could be used to secure our border to the war in Ukraine. And Joe Scarborough is like one of the top dogs when it comes to being Trump deranged, completely living in a bubble, having no idea what he's talking about, and just really someone who's lost himself, someone who Trump has completely broken. And so take a listen to this. This is cut one. And, and the signals that we send are, are, are frightening. At the beginning of our support for Ukraine, Mika, there were people on the far, far left that, that would mock and ridicule the argument that China was watching. Mm-hmm. That if we didn't support Russia, uh, if, if we didn't push back on Russia, if we didn't support Ukraine, that not only would Putin get that message, 
and keep going into Ukraine and going to the Balkan states. But she would get the message and he would go into Taiwan. He wants to go into Taiwan. And if America lost its will to support people fighting for their own freedom, yeah, this- the, the message would be sent. Wait, so I, I want to understand this. Joe, I want to understand you. What Joe Scarborough is claiming is that if we don't continue to fund the war in Ukraine, that China's watching. I would ask this. Do you think China, considering the fact that we've had a 4,000% increase in Chinese nationals at the border, do you think China's watching the fact that we do nothing to secure our own border? Do you think they're watching the fact that the leader of the free world falls asleep all the time and is talking to dead people? If we're going to talk about what Xi Jinping and what China is watching, do you think they're watching any of those things or are they only watching Ukraine? Are they singularly focused on Ukraine like everyone in the media seems to be? Do you think they're watching that in California, the streets are riddled with drugs and syringes and human feces, except when Xi Jinping shows up, Gavin Newsom rolls out the red carpet and cleans up the entire, like, I think it was San Francisco area? Do you think China figured that out? You think they're watching that? You think they're watching the, the fact that fentanyl is pouring through our border? I think they're very well aware of that. I think China has a big hand in that, actually. So I don't want to hear a lecture from Joe Scarborough about what China is watching. And how if, if, if we dare to question the blank check to Ukraine, that that's sending a message to China. You know what else is probably sending a message to China? The fact that our country right now is in shambles, thanks to Joe Biden. I feel like that's sending a pretty clear message. Also, I want to play this second part because I've noticed something about Joe Scarborough. I think I figured it out. This is cut two. The message that she is getting right now from Mike, little Mike Johnson and Donald Trump. It's just devastating. And the message is this. Republicans who for the past 50 years have been the main force to push back hard on communism. Okay. I've heard enough. I can't. I, he He's so self-indulgent with the long pauses and stuff. Uh, I am as well, but I can't listen to somebody else do it. I, I, I've noticed something about Joe Scarborough. You know how he just said little Mike Johnson? And he used to do this thing a lot where he'd talk about Trump and how scared Trump was and how Trump's a big baby and he's scared of all these things. And I would watch him do that. And I'd be like, what is he doing? And then I started to figure it out. These people are obsessed with Trump, right? And I think Joe Scarborough has watched Trump get inside people's heads so much by calling them names. Little Marco, you know, all those nicknames that Trump comes up with for people. And I think Joe Scarborough is trying to reverse it on Republicans and be like, oh, I'm going to get under their skin by calling Trump a baby or a coward or saying he's scared or dumb or calling Mike Johnson, little Mike Johnson. I'm going to get in their heads. But here is the main difference that Joe Scarborough should understand. Trump has a platform where people see what he says. People hear what he says. They see him on TV. He has an audience. Mike Johnson is not watching Morning Joe. So I don't think you're going to get under his skin by calling him little Mike Johnson. And if we're going to talk about everything China's watching, China's watching Ukraine, China's watching this, I can assure you China's not watching MSNBC. Because Xi Jinping, I don't think he could take it. I know that it's hard for us to even watch it. Mark, you're up next on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Mark. 
Yeah, Grace. I was, um, I'm really disgusted with what's happening, especially, especially with NATO, these countries. You know, they pay 2%. They don't even pay their 2%. And if Trump says, and he, sometimes he says things, you know, I wish he wouldn't. I think all of us think that. But, I mean, his point is, this is serious stuff. Why should we just subsidize you? And you sit there, and then you got these people sitting back, especially Joe. Oh, that's awful. Can you believe there's Joe? And you're right. He talks, 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 looks tough with the glasses, but nothing happens. With Trump, things happen. And one other thing, just on the side, with this Israel conflict, you know, it's really horrible what Hamas did, the butchering and even worse, desecrating the bodies. But, you know, when Israel fights back, and they do the best they can from what I can see to, to limit casualties, people are all over them. Oh, they're horrible. They're genocide, this, that. They had 1,200 people slaughtered. What is the left's, what, what is the left's explanation of what they should do? They don't say that. They just sit back and recoil and horror. And it comes back to what you said, Grace. Show me somebody who gets things done, not going, don't, 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 in a menacing look. I'm just disgusted. Yeah, and you know what, Mark? The thing you just said about Trump says things that I wish he wouldn't say, it's... You're right. Everyone does feel like that about Trump at certain times. And you kind of go, oh, I wish he wouldn't say that. But would anyone, I mean, I would take that all day and twice on Sunday if things could go back to the way they were when Trump was president. And that tells you all you need to know. And as far as what you said about Israel and Hamas, you said, what does the left expect them to do? Well, when you look at these Hamas uh, sympathizers, and a lot of them are at Ivy League schools, and, you know, in the streets of New York City, blocking traffic, blocking ambulances, vandalizing things. I think what they want Israel to do, if they were going to be really honest with themselves, because what they're going to tell you they want them to do is ceasefire and peace and ceasefire and this and that. I think what they'd really like Israel to do is to do nothing, to sit back and to wait for another October 7th, to wait again for Hamas to come in and slaughter Jews again. I, I think that's a response. And you know, when I see these protesters and I see these people having back and forth, like Senator Josh Hawley, for example, he was in the Senate hallway and this woman was telling him, you know, it's always a demand. I, I demand that you ask for a ceasefire. This is the level of debate we're having now in this country. You have to, I demand you say what I want you to say. Even if you don't believe it, I just need to hear you say what I believe. And so Josh Hawley's like, I'm not going to say that. We need to eliminate Hamas, the terrorist organization that went in, chopped people's heads off while they were eating breakfast, killed children in front of their parents, chopped off women's breasts, like just the most horrible things you've ever heard of. And he said, we need to eliminate Hamas. And the woman said, that's never going to happen. Well, yeah, if we, if we call for a ceasefire and we don't demand the release of hostages, and we don't continue to go after Hamas, then you're damn right that's never going to happen. If we do what all of you protesters have been asking us to do since October 8th, then yeah, that's never going to happen. If we keep sending in billions of dollars worth of aid that Hamas is just going to hijack and use against Israel, then of course that's never going to happen. But that's what the woman said to Josh Allen. That's never going to happen. 
Not with that attitude. No, it's not going to happen. 844-500-4242. Thank you for the call, Mark. A lot of really great points. Score presidential deals during the Omaha Steaks President's Day sale and save 50% off site-wide. We love Omaha Steaks here at the Grace Curley Show. The mailroom manager and Howie often will get us, it, for each person's birthday, they'll send us a package of Omaha Steaks. And the great thing about Omaha Steaks, Emma, is for it works for everyone in the office, no matter what you like. So for Jared, he gets a lot of hot dogs, a lot of hamburgers. I know you love the pork chops. I'm a huge fan of the steak. Taylor loves the steak as well. But there's something in there for everyone. There's desserts, there's sides, and right now it's their 50% off site wide. So go to omahasteaks.com slash grace and you'll get eight free Omaha Steak burgers on select packages. Emma, something you said yesterday that I think is really important to note is that it's great for people who are, you know, on the go if you if you're not really sure what you want to do for dinner or if you have people who all want different things because each each burger, each hot dog is individually wrapped so you don't have to open up a whole package and waste like eight hot dogs. And you also get to try out different things. So you don't have to say, I'm going to have pork chops or burgers for the entire week. You can take out some pork chops for Monday and Tuesday and then do burgers Wednesday, Thursday, so on and so forth. Yes, yes. That's a really good point. So go to omahasteaks.com and it's omahasteaks.com slash grace to shop the President's Day sale. This is an amazing deal. It's 50% off site wide. You're going to get the eight free burgers on select packages. It's all delicious. It's delivered right to your door. You don't have to go to the grocery store pick through all that nonsense simply go to omahasteaks.com slash grace you're going to want to hurry it's going to end soon shop the president's day sale today that's omahasteaks.com slash grace we'll be right back you're listening to the grace Curley show This is The Grace Curley Show. All of these people, whether you're talking about Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Joe Scarborough, they're all using this term now that Trump, by telling NATO allies they have to pay their fair share, he's bowing down to Putin. Everyone, uh, uh, little Mike Johnson, by not wanting to send all this money to Ukraine, he's bowing down to Putin. There's a lot of things now that if you do them, you're considered bowing down to Putin. And I just I don't remember hearing any of these people up in arms when Joe Biden at that press conference made the minor incursion remark that a lot of people thought led directly to Putin invading Ukraine. I don't remember any of these people being that worried about it. Like, if only we'd had a little bit of this energy back then, maybe things would be a little bit different. But instead, they let Joe Biden go out and kind of just riff and look what's happened. And I know he's also said things like, I told Putin, don't do it. Cut it out. I'm going to give you to the count of three. But yet, I think the thing that Putin was really listening to was the minor incursion remark. 844-500-4242. Speaking of Biden, there's a story about how um, the White House is very upset with the New York Times because the New York Times has been writing, I don't even want to say critical pieces about Biden, like semi-honest pieces about Joe Biden's mental state, which compared to what they typically write is a bit of a change up. And I was thinking about that old expression, don't shoot the messenger. The White House is so focused on shooting 
the messenger. That's like all they care about. They really do. And you want to talk dictators and authoritarians. They really do feel like if we could just control the media, if we can just control the flow of information, as Newman would say, then we can control everything. And so they're not concerned with the fact that Joe Biden is old and has no idea what he's doing and is talking to dead people. They're just concerned that media outlets have the audacity to report that information. We'll be right back. we got a lot more to talk about. And Toby Leary coming up at 2.20. Don't go anywhere.